Welcome, everybody, to the Sports on Point podcast. We had a very special edition tournament preview of the podcast tonight. I am joined on the line, as always, by the guy you know as the Phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. What's up, Maddie? And of course, we got the same guy over here pressing the buttons that we always do, Mr. Bob Severns. Hi. And a very special guest host in the studio tonight. From the Wayback Machine, Mr. Zon... Zon... <laughs> Zon Zavarelli, baby! Mr. Zon He's back! <laughs> For tonight. Welcome back, Sean. Well, guys, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a big week this week because we've had, our, we've had our sports lives flush down a toilet with all the CBA talks and the NFL lockout. So I'm very happy to announce that we get to kick things off this week on the right foot with a very exciting NCAA tournament that we've got coming up. Brackets came out last night. Of course, ESPN CBS with their simultaneous coverage as the individual uh, bracket positions were released. Some questionable things in the bracket. uh, Some some kind of interesting divvying up of teams as far as which teams are in which region. Um, But let's let's start off right there. Looking at the brackets, it it seems to me that the the regions aren't exactly weighted evenly. Uh, Bob, was there was there any particular bracket that you thought seems like it's going to be a much tougher go for the teams involved? Uh, traditionally speaking, I just, just on name alone, you you have to worry about Ohio state. Yeah. They're the number one seed overall, but when you're putting them in with Kentucky, Syracuse and uh, UNC, that's, that's kind of tough when you, when you think about it traditionally, I know some of those teams have been fluctuating, uh, this year, but it it could be a really tough run in that region. Uh, John had any brackets other than that, that you can see being difficult as far as what you said on the on the east i thought the east is probably the toughest one you can never discount villanova i know they've slouched towards the end of the season but they're i mean they could surprise you i think the southwest region is also going to be tough you got notre dame who's played well all year purdue who's i mean they're always tough and then you got kansas who i think is actually going to win it all but those three teams and i didn't even realize that louisville in that bracket as well. I mean, there's four teams there that could go to the Final Four and possibly win the whole thing. Now, I want to mention one of the brackets that everybody's kind of thrown out as one of the easier brackets. I think is actually uh, is actually a little bit deceiving. The the Southeast region, if you look at it at first, it, it looks a little bit weak with your number two seed of Florida, number three seed BYU, number four seed Wisconsin, teams that actually haven't performed quite to the level of some of the other two threes and fours and some of the other brackets. But... I think that it can be deceiving because I think you've got teams like specifically Kansas State coming in at the five spot who has played at times as the potential to be a much higher seed in the tournament. The total body of works plants them at a five seed, but uh, if they get hot at the right time, they could cause a team like Pittsburgh a lot of trouble and uh, possibly knock them out a little bit earlier in the tournament than you would expect. Yeah, definitely. It's all going to vote on how well Jacob Pullen does and uh, how he leads Kansas State. I, I know John's going to like this, but you, you can't rule out Michigan State this year either. Yeah, they, they've been inconsistent. They were ranked top five to begin the year. It's just going to be a matter of which Michigan State team shows up. And hopefully, you know, that I have them going pretty decently far. I, I, they have that ability to do it in, in this weaker bracket. And, uh, and I, I'm saying weaker just because it's wide open. Honestly, I'm going to say five, six, maybe even seven of these teams have an opportunity t- to take the bracket. I'm with you on that. I mean, I 
I picked Michigan State to go to the Final Four, which I usually do every year. But I, by their past, I have a fifty percent shot at getting it right. So, but yeah, I think it, this bracket is tailor made for Michigan State because yes, they were top top rated at the beginning of the year. They've had a rough year, but they got a ton of tournament experience and one of the better tournament coaches on there. Now we talked about it a little bit last week in the podcast about how um, it was going to be kind of interesting to see what they did with the 65th through 68th seed in this year's tournament. Obviously, the the field expanding by three teams over previous years. Um, I can honestly say that looking at the tournament, I'm extremely, extremely glad that we did not end up with a 96 team uh, lineup because there's just there's just not 28 other teams that deserve to be in the postseason. I mean, it, this is actually like a perfect year to example that because even some of the teams that did get into the tournament were pretty questionable. I, I personally, I, I had a little bit of an issue myself with um, with the selections of UAB and VCU to be playing in those last four in games. Um, I thought there was a couple of teams that definitely were a lot better suited. A team like Colorado, who beat Kansas State three times, knocked the Texas team off late in the uh, late in the season. Uh, I, I felt like there was probably a Virginia Tech or Alabama, maybe even a St. Mary's team that could have gotten in ahead of one of those teams as well. What'd you guys think about uh, snubs or, or any teams that should have gotten in that that uh, or should that did get in that shouldn't have? Just based on the, on the media and, and, and the outcry, you know, VCU and, and UAB are definitely have the odds stacked against them in that. But you mentioned Colorado and Alabama, and unfortunately, they're out of conference schedules. We're straight up garbage this year, and that that's what stopped them from from getting into the uh, tournament. For them, yeah, the Big 12 is usually a solid program. The SEC is usually solid. If these were teams, I would say in the possibly the Big 10, the Big East, or the ACC, predominantly stronger conferences those teams would probably be no doubt no brainers but because of the the fluctuation in their divisions this year it's just kind of tough with with a lack of out of conference schedule yeah i think as far as who got in who shouldn't have would be vcu uab i think uh virginia tech deserved to be in the tournament they got the stump what three years in a row now and honestly, I think the Big Ten got too many teams in. I hate saying this, but Illinois, Penn State, and Michigan State with that many losses, there was other teams probably that deserved a little bit more. I, I would give Michigan State the edge on that because they played a tougher schedule. But still, with that many losses and Virginia Tech with the way they played and uh, their overall season, I, I think they should should be in for sure. Now, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad you said that. There are actually five teams in the NCAA tournament this year with 14 losses, which which almost doubles the total that we've had all time, uh, considering before this year there had only been six teams that made it to the NCAA tournament with 14 losses. I think that says a lot, going back to the expansion of the brackets, 14 loss teams getting into the playoffs this year says a lot towards the moving to 96 teams in a tournament, not the right move to make, as we would have had a lot of teams with probably as many as 15, 16, 17 losses had we expanded it that far. Um, I, I will admit, though, the, the, the play-in games have got me a little bit messed up when I'm filling out my brackets. I'm looking at one particular spot where we've got the option of USC or VCU uh, make it into the first round. I think Georgetown is a team that could be beaten early on. 
I don't think that VCU has the guns to do it, but I do think USC does. So filling out the brackets a little bit tough for me this year for that particular reason. Uh, whereas in the past, those playing games, 16 spots, they didn't mean anything. I actually think Clemson can knock off West Virginia because I West Virginia is tough. They got a good coach, but I think Clemson has a shot to taking them out too. And I actually picked uh, VCU. I had beaten Georgetown in the first round. What I was going to say is that it, it just it, it adds another level to make this whole March Madness just so much crazier. And and I think if you see this work out very well this year and, and you know, there is a ratings draw to it and these teams do well, who's to say, you know, in three to five years, they bump it up to 72 teams? Because I, I think you're right, Matt, the, the 96 teams is definitely way too many. But throw on another four teams, keep the same format, have the 16s play in, have another 12, 11, 14 seeds play in. You just make it a lot more exciting that way. So I I think this year, yeah, it's the new format, but I I think it's a test format for possibly expanding it another, you know, four teams. Yeah, I'll stand by the comments I made last week. I still think that your teams like Texas San Antonio – um, your your 16 seed teams that got their automatic bids should still get that free ride into the first round of the tournament. I mean, uh, a lot of times these kids, it's their only chance they're ever going to have to play on that type of a stage, and to make them play a little dinky game out in Dayton in front of the Flyers fans is just uh, I, I think kind of an unfair treatment. And I felt that way for a long time, but uh, uh, with the expansion to 68, I think we really had the opportunity to make that right. We could put the last eight teams. Um, into these play-in games and having play-ins for 11s and 12s. Um, from a uh, from a bracketing standpoint, I think uh, I think it becomes a little bit more tricky when you don't have that guaranteed. Oh, we'll just we'll just use up this extra spot here, this extra spot there. Makes the selection committee's job a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, you got to give the teams that earned their way in the the right to play. Yeah, I, I honestly think if you win your conference tournament, whether you're going to be a 16 seed or not. I mean, you shouldn't have to play in these at-large teams. I don't even, I wouldn't even put like any of the 16 seeds as playing games. I put them at lower seeds, but I put all the playing games right there. I put probably like as Bob was saying, maybe eight playing games, and that way, I mean, you're giving more of those. I guess you're giving more of the power conferences more bids, but I mean, there's also teams that deserve in that are from those mid-major conferences that. You can let, the, let them teams in, or at least have the playing game for that. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the two seeds would like that a lot better because they would get uh, players that are currently be considered sixteen seeds moving up to the fifteen line. Uh, makes teams like Villanova a little bit uh, a little bit more of a guaranteed shot, unlike they were a couple years ago against what was it American University? Yeah, but honestly, I, I like that aspect, John. I, I like the fact that the opportunity for the people who won their division, they don't play the, or won their conference tournament. They don't have that play in game. So you can have some of those mid majors. Uh, we usually for us, you know, the Mac is, is a decent, it's, it's no, it's no, uh, Missouri Valley conference or horizon conference or one of the stronger mid majors. But, you know, every once in a while you could see a, a two teams coming out there because, you know, yeah, Akron beat Kent this year in the tournament, but Kent state still had a solid year, which if you if you make them have a play-in game or even St. Mary's have them a play-in game, you're even creating more Cinderella-type stories to come out of it. Because all it is in all the, the uh, March 
in the tournament is about is catching a streak, you know, getting hot at the right time. Speaking of getting hot at the right time, a lot of teams coming into the postseason riding streaks, a lot of teams that uh, maybe are on the lower end of those bracket lines uh, getting a lot of respect coming into the tournament as, as potential upset shots. Who do, you, who do you guys have as your sleepers? John, who you got uh, sneaking out of that first round that maybe we wouldn't have guessed? Well, looking over the whole bracket, I had five teams that I thought could make some noise in the tournament. Uh, Oakland was my first one. Now, they, I, looking at their overall, basically, resume, they pulled off a, a win against Tennessee, uh, almost beat Michigan State at Michigan State, which, judging by their records, they ain't great, but and they've, they got their butts kicked by the rest of the good, good teams out there. But I was looking at their stats. They're number two in the entire NCAA in scoring and field goal percentage. So, I mean, if they can shoot, they got a chance of beating Texas, who kind of fell off there towards the end of the year. Uh, I also had Belmont. Belmont's playing Wisconsin. Wisconsin is kind of slumping into the tournament. They scored 33 points in the Big Ten against Penn State. Belmont's got 30 wins. I mean, that's that's quite a few wins for I mean for any team. That uh, 30 wins is a lot. Villanova. I know they limped towards the finish, but they started off like 15 and 0 or 16 and 0. So I, I think if they can get together in the first round. They can give Ohio State all they all they can handle. I had Michigan State, they're a 10 seed, so they would technically be considered a sleeper. They limped in towards the end of the season. They had a, a decent Big Ten tournament, but I think they're a sleeper because, I mean, that bracket is tailor-made for them. And then Butler I had as a sleeper as well. I mean, this is a team that made it. It's a different team. They made it to the national championship game last year, but I just think they can, with playing Old Dominion and then Pitt, I think Pitt's going to be the easiest number one seed to pick off so they i think they got a shot now we're going to go a little bit head to head on that pick because i actually see old dominion as a team that's got a really good shot of uh of doing exactly what you were uh claiming butler's going to do but uh they they've won 13 out of the 14 they've they've out rebounded everybody they've gone up against so i think old dominion's got a really good shot um in this in this tournament this year uh, obviously coming in as a 9 seed it's not a huge upset to see him winning actually it's not even an upset at all to see them winning in the first round but I think that ODU is definitely a squad that, like you said, could really put uh, Pittsburgh up against the ropes. Um, Kansas State, I don't see as a, as much of an upset because they're coming in as a five seed, but I see them going pretty far in the tournament. I'm with you on the Oakland call. Not so much with uh, not so much with Michigan State. I know that they've been battle tested in previous years, able to win a lot in the past, but. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily know that this team follows falls under the same Tom Izzo mold as they've had a lot of personnel problems this year. Players getting in trouble, getting kicked off the team, things like that. Stuff that you're not used to seeing from Tom Izzo's uh, gang out there in uh, East Lansing. I'm. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to have to uh, agree with John on this one. Uh, I, I know there's been some issues up there, but come tournament time, it's all about Izzo, and and I, I think this team has a legitimate shot to be a, a double digit rank to go really far in this wide open region down there. You know, they could play Florida who could possibly, who we've kind of talked about being a weak number two. They could get BYU who is definitely not the same team without Davies. So it, they, it's kind of just falling at their feet. Same thing with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. They might not be the strongest number one, but this, with this bracket being so wide open, I, ha- I, 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 I have to go with John. I, I I think that Michigan State has a really good shot at going going at least into the Elite Eight. 
For me, I, I am jumping on the Scotty Hobson train. <laughs> I, I know he's been hit or miss with the uh, tournaments that he's been in, uh, but I have them actually surprising and going into the Sweet 16, upsetting Duke at, at a number nine. Uh, other than that, my other uh, second round or first round picks, I'm jumping on the Moorhead straight or Moorhead State train just because of Kenneth Fred and the double-double machine that he is. We've seen it in the past. If you have a, a, a big um, a big guy who's solid at scoring and rebounding, it gives your team a shot. Um, and, and the reason why I have them going into the Sweet 16 is because I have Richmond out hustling a uh, possibly overrated Vanderbilt team who's kind of slumped going into the to the bracket. I think I think you got I think you got Richmond nailed on the head. I'm I, I I'm kind of on the Moorhead State. I was I was on the bandwagon until I saw their first round matchup. Everything I've seen has pointed to uh, Moorhead State being a team that wins despite turnover problems, and that's not the team that you want to go matching up against the Louisville and a pressure de- or Louisville and a pressure defense. And and also the the perimeter defense and three point shooting has been a real uh, Achilles heel again. Not exactly something you want to have as a problem point when you're going up against a Rick Pitino coach team. But uh, uh, yeah, the the Kenneth Ferriad. Uh, that guy is a, is an absolute monster. I believe if he hasn't already, he's on the verge of breaking Tim Duncan's all time double double record in college basketball. Which he actually did. I did he break it? I th- I, I think he did that or his rebounding. It was, it was definitely one of the two. But, uh, anytime you're anytime yeah. you're even approaching a, a record held by Tim Duncan, who was a four year essentially a four year starter at a major Division One school, and, and you're able to kind of match or surpass, or surpass those numbers, that's, uh, that's saying a whole heck of a lot. I just really feel like they, they got a bad draw in the first round, matched up against the Cardinal. Cardinals, and, it's not and Stanford. It, honestly, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it, it, it could be, but it, that's, that's just one of the ones that I'm going to go out and take, take a risk on. Well, and hey, that's what, uh, that's what these brackets are all about, because if you go chalk, you're not going to win anything. So, uh, hey, more power to you for stepping out on that limb. I just, I just didn't care much for that matchup. I really, really wanted to take Moorhead State there, but uh, just, I just feel like the athleticism and the full pressure court, full court pressure defense is just going to be a bit too much for him. Now, okay, we've talked about the upsets. We've talked about the sleeper teams. Um, when it all comes down to it, who are we going to see playing basketball that first weekend in April? Um, I know I personally have got uh, a Final Four that's rounded out by Ohio State uh, coming out of the East, the Southwest represented by Notre Dame, and UConn coming out of the West. Kansas State, kind of my surprise, number five pick going on to the tournament. Uh, What's the Final Fours you got on your board, John? I got Syracuse coming out of the East, knocking off Ohio State. I have UConn out of the West, knocking off Duke. Michigan State knocking off Pitt in the southeast. And then in the southwest, I have Kansas knocking off Purdue. For my east, I have uh, or Ohio State beating UNC. Uh, I have Arizona beating uh, UConn. I, I really like Derek Williams' game. I, I think this is his opportunity to step up and take them to the Final Four. I have Pitt beating Michigan State. And then I have uh, Kansas taking down Purdue. 
I like the uh, I like the gutsy call with the Arizona pick. Sean Miller, of course, a head coach at Arizona, has a lot of history making some deep runs into the tournament in his years at Xavier. Now he's got a school where he can recruit the talent, and uh, so far he's doing a pretty good job there. They're they're not quite to the level they were in the late '90s, early 2000s with uh, with the squads they've got out there right now. But I think they're on the right track, and I think you might be onto something there. They're uh, they're a team that could surprise a lot of people. Did we, so did we agree on anybody, any one team? I don't think we did. I, no. Well, that's what makes the tournament fun. Because there's a good chance yeah. that although n- neither one of us three have the same tournament, the same Final Four, there's a solid chance that all three of us will be dead wrong um, when it comes to as, as many as all four of those picks. But uh, ultimately, when the championship comes down, who do you got tearing down the nets, Bob? Uh, I know John is going to totally already disagrees with me on this, but I, I have Ohio state. I, I think with Jared Sollinger, uh, on the inside, he was just a name or, or announced as one of the uh, first team all American. Not only that, you know, they, they do have a defensive center in Dallas Lauderdale. If, if they do get against a, a bigger team, they finally have, uh, the height to challenge that. Uh, you do have some veterans out on, on the wings with Buford Lighty and Diebler, and they even have a wily little uh, point guard in Aaron Kraft who uh, not only can can penetrate and distribute, he can actually defend with man defense. So I, I think that it's a solid overall team. I have them winning, beating Kansas. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I have these. I have a different opponent, but same result. Um, I actually had uh, Ohio State knocking out Notre Dame in the national championship, but. Uh, Easy, easy pick to make, especially when they're the number one team in the country. I think they, I think they drew a really tough bracket out in the East, but at the same time, I think a lot of the teams that are considered their number one competition um, all have weaknesses that fit right into Ohio State's game. And and uh, I think ultimately they're all around play. There's just a they're just a team that doesn't have a whole lot of holes that uh, need to be filled in. I think they're all around play carries them past a team like in this case I have them beating Notre Dame which uh, is a team that relies heavily on two individual players on their roster and uh, I think just the all-around scoring that they have uh, available to them in the Ohio State roster is just going to be too much for them. John you don't even have Ohio State in the final four. No I just think Ohio State chokes I mean they got a lot of a lot of experience but I can't see them getting past Syracuse. I, I, I just, my, my biggest thing, I've, I'll let you talk in a second, but my biggest thing is even in their games that they did lose against Wisconsin and Purdue, it's not like they had a horrible, horrible game. Like they didn't get blown out of the water like some of these other teams who have the higher seeds. They, they've had those hiccup games. And I, I, I'm going to totally agree with Matt that just the all-around performance this year, it just seems like game in and game out – they're not centered on one or two people. You can have Diebler, you can have Lighty, you can have Buford, Kraft, Sollinger. All of them can score double digits easily on a night. It's just depending on how well they play together as a team. I'll tell you what. Like I said, I had Syracuse going in, in that region. It depends what Diebler shows up against Syracuse. Because if, if he's knocking down the three, then they got a good chance of beating that that zone. Uh it depends how they shoot that game. If they're shooting lights out like they have been later in the season, then they can probably knock off Syracuse. But as far as my final, I didn't have Syracuse going to the final. I had 
UConn versus Kansas, I think Kimball Walker is just playing out of his mind right now. I mean, they, this kid is tough. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft to the Cavs. But, uh, but yeah, I had UConn and Kansas. Kansas dropped the ball last year. I don't think it's going to happen again this year. I think they're going to end up winning the national title. They're talented. they got a great coach. And I just don't don't see him getting beat by a Northern Iowa like team this year. I'm 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 kind of curious to see in the national coverage that we have this year. Of course, um, if you don't know, we've got four networks broadcasting the NCAA tournament this year. We've got TNT, TBS, True TV, and of course, as always, CBS showing the uh, regional game. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see because they always have that little montage before every game where they torture me by showing the Christian Leitner turnaround jump shot and uh, they got the Valpo buzzer beater from uh, late 90s, or early 2000s. I don't remember what year that actually happened, but uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see if they have, uh, what was his name, Farouk Manesh or something? The uh, Ali Farouk Manesh? hitting the step-back three-pointer to put the dagger in the hearts of the Kansas uh, Kansas faithful. Fast break three-pointer. Yeah, un- unbelievable. That's a moment that I will definitely remember from the NCAA tournament for a long time. Um, hopefully this year we, uh, we shake up to see a lot of good, memorable moments as well. But real quick, before we close out, um, every year it kind of seems like we've got a player or two that steps out of a – well, somewhat predominant role. They step into a, a, a different level when they reach the NCAA tournament, really come alive and start to play at levels that they haven't played at before. Who do you think uh, Who do you think might be that guy this year? I, I said it earlier, and, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, Derek Williams. Uh, yeah, he's a, a top. He's a lottery pick right now. But just depending on how matchups and play plays out, he's, he's not only a guy who can carry you as a team, he's also a team player. He's, so he's not someone who I, w- I will mention Harrison Barnes. And unfortunately for Harrison Barnes, he's going to go as far as Kendall Marshall goes. He needs a good on-the-ball distributor in order to shine. So that I, I think he, he might do well, but it's all going to be dependent on Kendall Marshall. Uh, and that's why I'm saying Derek Williams. I'm going to have to go go with a player off my team I'm going to either say Kalen Lucas or Draymond Green I mean I know they've shined in previous tournaments but in order for Michigan State to go far in this tournament both or one of them is going to have to shine Kalen's been playing lights out lately actually you know what I also think Summers Summers is due he's usually lights out in the tournaments I think he's going to He'll step out too. I think Michigan State's going to the Final Four. I think they're they're stepping up. But one of those three players has to step up, and I think they will. I'm going to go a little bit off the board, a little bit uh, compared to what you guys are saying. I think uh, I think the team that's really got me excited about one of their players is uh, a gentleman with a with a famous name and a slightly less famous game, but uh, a gentleman by the name of Isaiah Thomas, the star point guard out of the University of Washington. Of course, no relation to the idiot GM that used to run that New York Knickerbocker team, but um, Isaiah Thomas really, really played. Like a like an All American Naismith candidate player when it came to the Pac-10 tournament, I think he's really turning it on at the right time. 
He's got some deadly one-on-one moves, very quick with the ball in his hand and and, uh, able to hit the clutch shots when it matters most. I think that's going to be a name you're going to hear a lot of. And this time, Isaiah Thomas coming out of the mouths for, for very good reasons instead of the, uh, instead of the uh, many reasons why we've heard of his namesake. All right, guys, I think that's going to about do it. Any other notes you guys want to throw in? Anything that's uh, caught your eyes? Uh, I know one team that we didn't talk about. Uh, I have two points here. One team that we're not talking about too much, I have them going to the Sweet 16, and it's going to be dependent on how Chris Singleton uh, from Florida State comes back and plays in the, in the first round and if he's fully capable uh, and being healthy. So I, I think that's tough to, to see how he plays. I know they didn't play him much in their, the ACC loss because they wanted him healthy for the tournament. And uh, the other thing, speaking of healthy, is someone that we probably won't see just because of chemistry issues. But it would be interesting to see how different this Duke team would be with Kyrie Irving. I completely agree on that. With him in the lineup at the beginning of the season, they looked head and shoulders above the rest of the entire nation. But without him, or if he does come back, I don't think they can gel at t- right at tournament time. But that, that would have been interesting to see if he had played the whole season. Unfortunately, I don't think they would have been beat. We we talked about him a little bit earlier. I think that the uh, I think that the University of Richmond, um, the Spiders coming into this tournament, uh, pretty hot, rolling through the uh, A10 tournament this year. I think a little bit underrated because they don't play a super flashy offense. They run they run that Princeton style offense, and we've seen it in the past. That's an offense that can frustrate teams to a point where they just can't play within themselves anymore. And and uh, I think that that system and that uh, offense that they run is going to really serve them well in this tournament and i think they can uh, pull off an upset or two along the way all right guys that's going to wrap it up for the sports on point tournament preview of course new uh new system this year game starting tuesday night a couple of play-in games uh, a couple more wednesday night before we kick into the real full-on tournament thursday afternoon um if you're if you're listening and you live in the northeastern ohio area give us a uh give us a shout out on our facebook page and uh you can hit us up for some viewing parties we'll be uh we'll be enjoying the uh fun of the tournament time way into the late hours thursday and friday night so uh i hope you guys are enjoying at home if you're not able to join us but uh this is definitely a great time of year for us as fans and i hope we enjoy it especially with the uh tumultuous uh, situations we have in some of our pro sports right now. Agreed. 10-4. Yes. And, and one more thing. If anybody, if, if anybody loses to Julie because she did a bracket, you should stop doing these brackets. <laughs> and it's going to be funny when I lose to her. <laughs> or if you guys lose. I heard her say, don't make fun of me. <laughs> yeah, no, she's in the she's in the background there. She did one. I have no clue what it is. So who knows? Nice. It's gonna be interesting. Nice, nice, nice. Bye. This has been Sports on Point NCAA Tournament Preview with Bob, John, and Matt. See you later.